tonight and be finding uh, Psalm chapter number 56, Psalm chapter 56 tonight, and uh, we'll see what the word of the Lord has for us here and uh, get into the word tonight. Psalm chapter 56, when you find your place, if you will, if you're able to stand in honor and reverence to the reading of the word of God with me here, Psalm chapter 56. And uh, we'll read this entire chapter and uh, go through here and see what we can see, what good, uh, wonderful treasure that we can find in this passage. Uh, the Bible is a wonderful treasure chest. Y'all know that. And uh, uh, the Bible even tells us it's unsearchable riches. And what, a, what an amazing thing that is. And uh, right here in Psalm chapter 56, let's read it here. Verse number one says, Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresseth me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up, for they be many that fight against me, O thou most high. What time I am afraid... I will trust in thee. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. Every day they rest my words. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They gather themselves together. They hide themselves. They mark my steps when they wait for my soul. Shall they escape by iniquity? In thine anger, cast down the people, O God. Thou tellest my wonder. Put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. In God will I praise his word. In the Lord will I praise his word. In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. Thy vows are upon me, O God. I will render praises unto thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling that I may walk before God in the light of the living? I tell you right here, we've got, uh, we find in, in these verses, in these 13 verses right here just quickly, and you can be seated in just a moment, uh, but we find, uh, we find a couple different things. We find a plea for help, we find a petition for vengeance, and then we have a promise to pay vows. And for a little bit tonight, I, I want to preach on the subject of when fear meets faith. When fear meets faith. And that's a summary of what we're seeing here in Psalm chapter 56. And so thank you for standing. You can be seated tonight and we'll get into this. And I'll just start out by saying in this text that I've just read, David is not having a good day whatsoever. He's not having a good day at all. And uh, if you notice in your Bible, most of you probably see this. I don't know if every single Bible has this, but there's a superscription that is labeled right before the chapter. And uh, in my Bible here, it says, To the chief musician upon uh, Jonath Elam Rechokim, Rechokim, Mictam of David when the Philistines took him in Gath. Now, I don't know if every Bible has that on it, but that superscription gives the exact occasion of the writing of this psalm, and it's important to know that. And so we can find from that superscription that this psalm was written 
when the Philistines took David in Gath. And the incident is actually recorded back in 1 Samuel chapter 21, and the word miktam means a prayer. And so we can deduce here, looking at this, this psalm that we just read is a prayer concerning those people who were about to take David's life. And Saul, the king of Israel, had determined to kill David in 1 Samuel 20. And so David had gone wherever Saul was least likely to find him. And so, uh, uh, so he goes to Gath. And I mean... Let's just think about it. Gath was the home of Goliath, the giant whom David had killed in 1 Samuel 17. And so David goes to the one place that Saul couldn't find him, but he walks right into the city of the home place of the man he had killed. And so, to make matters worse, uh, David certainly wouldn't have been expecting a warm welcome party when he arrived. And to add insult to injury, here's how he approaches the city. He walks into the hometown of Goliath with Goliath's old sword in his hand. I don't know why he did that, but he did. That's how it worked out. And so guess what? I could only imagine this, that after 1 Samuel 17, when David had killed Goliath, I'm, I'm almost certain that there was probably uh, pictures or wanted posters of him all over the hometown of Goliath, which was Gath. Those people wanted him dead, I'm sure, because he had took out their number one star, so there was probably, I bet everybody in Gath knew exactly who David was. And so he shows up here and we find, we read in 1 Samuel that people did see him. People did recognize him and they seized him. And fearing that he might be killed, David actually pretended to be insane. And apparently that worked out for him pretty good. And so reading this text in its entirety though, we find that David encouraged himself in three things. He encouraged himself in the mercy, the mindfulness, and the might of God. And this is a great example for you and I tonight as set before us on how to face a hopeless situation. So for a little while, I just want to preach on that subject I already told you about. I want to preach on when fear meets faith. And so I just wanted to give you that little bit of a backstory as a way of introduction. But I want you to notice, first of all, that God is merciful. God is merciful. Look in verse number one and two. He says, be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresseth me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up. For they be many that fight against me, O thou most high. You see, David was in great and a constant, he was always in a great danger. He was always in a constant danger from his many enemies, both the Philistines and Saul's servant. I'll just put it this way. Uh, David, as far as this earth was concerned, didn't have hardly anybody on his side. Everybody was out to get him. And so 
He cried out to God knowing that divine help could rescue him from any man-made threat. He appealed to the mercy of God, not relying on what he may or may not deserve. See, here's the thing. Mercy is something that we all need. We all need it because mercy is the other side of grace. Now, grace is receiving what we do not deserve, but mercy is not receiving what we do deserve. So we have to have mercy. Mercy is what brings a sinner to conviction. Mercy is why God doesn't automatically just thump us all off into hell to begin with. And so we have to have mercy in Him by God's grace. He loves us. And mm, boy, what about that amazing grace? And so uh, mercy, and we need both of both sides of this. And mercy is just the other side of grace. And David seeks the Lord's help in this situation. David, he doesn't waste any time. He spills it all right out to the Lord. And uh, it's interesting. He accuses his enemies of being eager. This is implied in the phrase here, for man would swallow me up. He accuses his enemy of being numerous. David said here, for they be many that fight against me. Hey, the godly soul has many enemies, just so you know. If you ain't already figured that out in life, people, uh, people are not going to like you. Sometimes people don't like you because you got a smile on your face and you're not miserable like they are. Y'all ever met people like that? I sure have. You just make them mad by being around them and smiling. It's almost like they look at you and say, what are you so happy about? Well, I'm alive. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, you have people like that. You have people like that. And, uh, but, but he, David had numerous enemies. And let me tell you, as far as in our life is concerned as a child of God, we have three big enemies in our life, being the world, the flesh, and the devil. They, and they all three seem to have many allies. And we've got enemies within. We've got enemies without. We do. And, uh, and so uh, we all not have enemies with them, but that's just how it works. It's sad, but we do. And, and so David accuses his enemies of being eager. He, he accuses them of being numerous. He accuses them of being constant. He says in this passage, mine enemies would daily. What does he mean by that? It, it's like there seems to be no let up to them. When one enemy slows down to rest, another one steps in. And he can't get any peace about it. They just keep coming at him and keep coming at him and keep coming at him. He's outnumbered. In other words, and so oh, they're eager, they're numerous, they're constant, they're dishonest. He says in verse five, they rest my words. That's what he's talking about there. What that means is they were twisting and perverting every word that he said so as to get from them a meaning which he never intended and by which they might injure him. And I tell you, it seems like that everything is going that direction in the Christian's life as far as this world. Anything that you say, they twist, they turn and I mean it, it's it's just insane it's like walking outside and having an argument with somebody but because you look up at the sky and say boy it's a pretty blue sky and they look at you and say no it ain't blue it's purple and then you look at them and say well, 
do you not see what I'm seeing? It's a blue sky. No, it's purple. And then they just keep on. And, and I tell you, it's, it's ridiculous in the day and hour which we live. It seems like, just like with David here, you can't get a leg up on anybody. Because everything that comes out of a Christian's mouth, everything that comes out of a preacher's mouth, they twist and they turn and they make it mean something that you never meant for it to, to mean. And some things that I hear today, I'm like, how in the world did you even... How did you even get that from that phrase or that statement? So he says that they're dishonest. He also says that they're confederate. In verse 6, he says they gather themselves together. The enemies of David, they come together, they combined against him. And it was a known fact that the Sadducees and the Pharisees could not get along at all. You think about this, they butted heads like crazy, but you know what? There was one thing that they could agree on, they both hated Jesus. And when it come to that, they quickly formed an opposing coalition. And my friend, that's the way. You want to know what's happening in our society today? Everybody is coming together. You hear that all the time. Unite, unite, coming together, coming together. Let's set aside our difference. You know what they're doing? They're all coming together to come against the truth. And so we see that going on right here in David's life. All of his enemies, even the ones that couldn't get along, they all agreed that they hated David and they wanted him dead. So they worked together to get that done. And we see that in the Bible with Jesus and we see that in our day as well uh, toward the Christian. But I'm going to tell you, this is always the case. It's always the case, always been the case. But then he accuses them of being secret also. In verse number six, he says they hide themselves. They would lie in wait like some wild animal ready to jump on its prey. The designs of evil are crafty and cunning and the people of God have to guard against the wiles of the devil, the Bible tells us. We have to guard against the wiles of the devil. We have to guard against the weakness of the flesh and we have to guard against the ways of the world. And so these people here, these enemies, they hide themselves. They would lie in wait. You know, I know somebody else that does that, don't y'all? It's called the devil. His children are just a copy of him. You know it? And so the Bible tells us that we ought to be sober and be vigilant because our adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You better watch out. You better watch out in your Christian life. There's people that uh, we heard a wonderful illustration of that yesterday. Brother Barry Rackley was preaching. He was talking about a situation he had to handle in his church. And it was a horrible situation. And he told us about how this gentleman, uh, well, he wasn't no gentleman, uh, had, had tried to provoke him and provoke him what he wanted him to do. He wanted the pastor to take a swing at him. He said, I found out, he said, it was only the grace of God that I didn't knock his lights out. He said, all I did, when, the more he talked, the more I clenched my Bible to my chest. And he said, it's by the grace of God I didn't punch him. He said, I later found out that's exactly what he was trying to get me to do because as soon as I did it, they were recording and he was going to go to the newspapers, he was going to go to social media, he was going to go all over and ruin me and my church because he didn't like something that I said in the pulpit. So you better watch out. You better watch out. The devil is a cunning lion and he's, he, he is walking around and he's hiding and he's waiting to be able to just pounce out 
and ruin your testimony. And so here we go in verse 6. We also find that David accused them of being cruel. He says in verse 6, they wait for my soul. See, the enemies of David sought to take his life and our spiritual enemies seek not only to deprive us of physical life, but also to ensnare us and to ruin our eternal soul. I'm telling you, God, uh, the devil would have nothing. He would have anything. If he could have anything his way, he'd kill every single Christian. He'd ruin every single one of us. And if he could, he'd have our soul. I'm glad he can't have that, though. I'm glad he can't have that. Oh, that's, that's protected by the Father. And he can't touch my soul. And I tell you what, he can't even touch my body unless God allows him to. Boy, what a blessing that is. And so, I belong to him. Hallelujah. And that's a good place to be, y'all. It's a good place to be. Uh, but here we find David is accusing. He's telling us about his enemies. He, he tells us this. And no wonder David began this psalm by asking for mercy. He asked for mercy and mediation in the face of his enemies. He cried out to God. You know what? This is a lesson for all of us. And it must be our first reaction when we get overwhelmed, when we get opposed, when we are alone, when we are afraid. Our approach should not be when all else fails. Pray. Listen to me, folks. Prayer is not a last resort for us. It should be our first choice. Like David in this situation, the first thing we ought to do is cry out to God. We shouldn't wait till we're at the end of our rope. We shouldn't wait until the enemy's all there and they're ready to kill us. No, we should, it should be our first choice. And so look at what he writes next in verse 3 and 4. The Bible says this, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. Hey, let me tell you something. It's not a sin to be afraid at times. But let me tell you something. Our fears should never take the place of faith. It shouldn't. To trust God at all times is not only a privilege, but it's also a duty of every believer, particularly when we're afraid. One of the greatest blessings in our life is one of the hardest things that a man will ever do, and that is simply trust God. Just trust God. There will be times when you cannot track him, but honey, you must trust him anyways, no matter what. Because here's the thing, you may not know where he's at, but he knows where you're at. You may not be able to find him. Like Job there, he looked on his right and he couldn't find him. He looked on his left, he looked behind him, he looked in front. He didn't know where he was, but what did Job say? He said, but he knoweth the path that I take. I tell you what, that's faith right there. That's faith in the midst of fear, I'm sure Job was scared. I'm sure Job had a lot of fear. He didn't know what was going on around him. And, and worse than that, he didn't know why it was happening. He had all of his friends over here whispering, Oh, well, Job, you must not be right with God. Job, you must, you must have sinned. You must have brought all this on yourself. And the whole time, Job was just in a trial. He was being tested. And I tell you what, what a blessing. I just think about this. What a blessing. I'm, I, I don't welcome trials. I'm just going to be real with you. I don't welcome trials. But could you imagine the blessing 
that it would be for God to look at Satan and say, that one, that one down there. Devil comes, oh, like Job, oh, he'll, he'll turn his back on you once he gets afflicted. Oh, he'll curse you. He'll turn his back on you. He's not real. And then God said, yes, he is. Go ahead. Try him. What a blessing. You think about that. What a blessing that would be. I don't welcome trials, y'all. They're hard. I couldn't imagine what Job went through. But what a blessing would it be for God to know, and he does know, what he can trust you with. Wouldn't it be amazing to be able to be trusted like Job was? Just think about that. I know what I'm saying. That's why I'm half cringing here. But just think about that. God knew Job's faith. God knew Job wouldn't turn his back on him. I heard it preached one day. It said, can God say that about you? I said, oh, me. <laughs> you know, preaching only makes you do two things. They make you say amen or oh, me, right? That one made me say oh, me. But that's something to go home and think about tonight. But here's the thing. There will be times when we can't track him, but he knows where we are. Verse number four, we find praise. We find him praising God. How is he praising God? Well, let me tell you, faith is always the forerunner of praise. Faith receives rest and rejoices in the word of God. Hey, he said here in verse number four, let's read it again. Or verse three, what time I am afraid I will trust in thee. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. Look at that first part. In God, I will praise his word. Word. What do we what do we see? What do we have? Faith is the forerunner of praise. And how do we have faith? Well, Romans 10 17 says, So faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So we've got to we gotta circle back here to the very word of God. He's praising because of his faith. Where did his faith come from? It comes from the word of God tonight. So what we see here with David is faith and trust had overcome fear in the flesh and praise was the natural result of it. So I want you to look to number two tonight. God is mindful. God is merciful and thank God for that. But think about this. God is also mindful. We find that in verses five through seven here. Look at it with me. Every day they rest my words. All their thoughts are uh, against me for evil. They gather themselves together. They hide themselves. They mark my steps. Then when they wait for my soul, shall they escape by iniquity? In thine anger, cast down the people, O God. Now listen to me. This is interesting to me. David's enemies had not gone anywhere. Okay? They were still there. They were still congregating outside of his cell. They were still mocking him. They were still telling him what they planned on doing with him. But David encourages himself with God. The attacks against David were not only violent, they were also devious with the twisting and the distortion of his words and his intentions. And his many enemies constantly plotted him for evil, hoping to lie in wait and kill him with a surprise attack. And David asked a question in verse number 7 there, which the answer is obvious. It may seem that evil is on the throne in our day, but honey, you can rest assured this ain't going to last forever. What we see going on in our world ain't going to last forever. What we see going on in the U.S. is not going to last forever. He is, Jesus is coming back and he's going to make things right. He will. 
He will. David asked the question, shall they escape by iniquity? We all know what iniquity is. They're in sin. They're doing wrong. They're sinful. He asked the question, how or shall they escape by iniquity? And then he says, in thine anger, cast down the people, O God. He's praying that God would take care of his enemies. My soul preacher, is it right to pray like that for your enemies? David did. David did. David didn't pray so that he could have that vengeance, though. He prayed. He prayed just so he could have his life. That God would, God would take care of his enemies, but leave him, leave him alive. That's what he's praying for. God would ultimately get the glory and honor out of it. God would ultimately have vengeance, and God is ultimately going to have vengeance on this world. And so uh, wickedness will not stand. God will avenge his own. And because here's the thing, God, we find here that God was mindful of David's trouble. Look in verse 8 and 9. It says, Thou tellest my wanderings. Put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. Now, what a prayer we're reading tonight. In these verses, we've contrasted the tenderness of God with the tyranny of the enemy. First, David points out the perfection of divine knowledge. He says, the, num the Lord numbers our wandering. He took note of David's every step. He says, thou tellest my wanderings. You know what he's saying there? He says, God knows where exactly where he's at and he knows exactly where he's going through and he knows exactly what he needs. Next, David speaks of God's concern for his own. Have you ever thought about this? Our very tears are treasured by God. He puts them in a bottle. Right here, we read that. And tears are a manifestation of David's sorrow right here. Let me ask you this. If you pay attention when your children cry, how much more does God notice his children? Yeah. What do we find David doing here? He's crying out to God. Verse 8 tells us that God is so concerned that He saves our tears. And there is a day coming, y'all, when God is going to wipe away those tears. Thank you. Thank the Lord tonight. Let us remember when our circumstances seem to frown that God is watching. When we cannot sleep at night, when we pace the floor agonizing over a lost loved one, a wayward child, a threatened layoff, God is watching. He's mapping out our very footsteps. He's gathering up our tears. Man, that's an encouragement tonight. Look in verse, nine, uh, verse 10 and 11. The Bible says here, In God will I praise His word. In the Lord will I praise His word. In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. He said it again here. Notice the I wills and the I have. God has delivered David from imminent danger and death time after time after time and again. And David knows that God is going to help him. He says, God, I know you're for me. You know why he knew God was for him? Because God had always been for him. God had delivered him time and time again. You think back in your life to all the blessings God's given you and all the times God has come through for you. You know what? He ain't going to fail you today. He ain't going to fail you tomorrow. 
He ain't going to fail you next year. He takes care of us. He does. I've prayed before just like David here. Say, God, you've done it before. I need you to do it again. And you know what? He'll do it. He'll help us. He'll help us. Because of that, David concludes that what God has already done indicates what God will do. So his past experiences were an assurance of the future there. Now I want you to know God is merciful tonight. God is mindful. But thirdly tonight, God is mighty. Look at verse 12. God is mighty. He says, Thou vows are upon me, O God. I will render praises unto thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living. Hey, let me tell you something. God is so mighty that David can look upon his deliverance from the men of Gath as already accomplished. Can I remind you, they're still there. The enemies are still there. He's still in a cell. This is all one prayer. It didn't, it didn't span over years of time or anything. They're still there. But what is he doing? He's praising God for what God is going to do. Hmm. Have you ever done that before? You ever just go ahead and praise God anyhow? I remember back at Amazing Grace, we had a preacher friend there and, and his brother was lost. And man, we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. He walked in, the, he walked in uh, uh, one day to a prayer meeting there and he said, you know what? He said, I'm just going to start thanking God for saving him. He said, I don't know when it's going to be. I don't know how it's going to come about, but I know God's going to save him one of these days. And so from that day on, we started praising God for saving this dear man. And you know what? It's about two years after that, God did save him. <laughs> Would you think about it? You think about it. Go ahead and praise God anyhow. He's going to come through. I don't know how he's going to come through. Hey, I faced a situation not long ago at all. I did not know what I was going to do about it. I'm talking like two weeks ago, y'all. I had no idea what I was going to do. I had no idea. I was in a situation. I was looking at some things. and I wasn't sure what exactly was going to happen. And I sat down and I said, God, I know you're going to take care of it. And I thank you for it. And that's all I said about it. A week later, it was took care of. I ain't lying. God's good. God will take care of it. What we need to do is just go ahead and thank Him anyhow. Go ahead and praise Him for taking care of us. That's what David done right here. Hallelujah. David mentions vows and future offerings in verse 12 and 13. Keep in mind, I done said it. He's still in the sale. The enemy is still taunting him. The enemy is still there. But he knows God's going to help him. David promises to render praises to God in verse 12 because he knows that he's praying to the God who delivered my soul from death and kept my feet from falling in verse 13. And let me tell you, although enemies may assail your steps and trouble may pack your path, God has the power to keep your feet from falling. He does. In this psalm here that begins with... a. Uh, a bleak picture of being overwhelmed and overtaken by trouble. David ends by saying he was rescued in order to walk before God in the light of the living. God is mighty. He takes us from death to life, from darkness to light. 
Instead of stumbling, we walk by faith in the God who saves. David knew he was weak. He knew that he needed God to help him. And my friend, tonight, may we, like David, encourage ourselves in the Lord when we find the enemies of life, when we face the trouble of life, whatever it is that we face tonight, I promise you, you can trust in our merciful, our mindful, and our mighty God. He'll take care of you. Let's stand and bow our heads and close our eyes tonight. Miss Dawn.